GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about the understanding the changing landscape of payroll tax for doctors in Australia. And look, and we're going to be focusing on this quite complex issue and its implications in Australia. And I'm very pleased to introduce our guest speaker, Kelly Chard. Kelly is a finance expert and founder of GrowthMD, and will provide the sort of latest insights and valuable perspectives on the current challenges and some real life observations around this uh, critical topic. So welcome, Kelly. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So Kelly, can I get you just to briefly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your professional background? Yeah, sure. So I am a chartered accountant and a registered tax agent. So I've been working as an accountant for around 25 years with the last 12 or so being just working with health practices and health professionals. So I love working with the the medical industry and the health industry. So about five years ago, I launched my firm, which is called GrowthMD. Um, So we only work with, with medical practices and medical professionals lots of GPs and, yeah, clients all over Australia. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, you obviously are in the hot seat right now because Mm -hmm. we have obviously this payroll tax issue, which I'm sure everybody particularly is a a practice owner, but also has implications for for doctors as well as subcontractors, depending on how these rules are applied. So I think that, look, can you perhaps just for the audience, you know, give us some background on the payroll tax situation, you know, how it's calculated, who pays for it, but just generally, I suppose, what the current state of play is. Yeah, so payroll tax isn't new. It's been around for around 80 years. However, it is new to lots of medical practices, particularly small ones and depending on what state in Australia you are in. So what it is, it is um, a tax that you pay on the payroll and employee contractor liabilities that you have. So you pay payroll tax on wages, super, employee benefits and payments to contractors. And it's where this payments to contractors comes in that that sort of the whole medical practice doctor relationship is is causing some issues. So how much you pay depends on which state in Australia that you're in. So in Queensland, you only pay above 1.3 million. So on your, your wage bill over a 1.3. In say Victoria, you pay above 700. So each state's slightly different in its legislation and uh, rates and threshold. And there's also some grouping provisions. So if you if you own a number of practices or if you have other businesses, they can all be grouped together for payroll tax. It's actually a little bit of a minefield. It's, it's my most despised tax, Paul. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm sure that that's probably the majority of Australians, particularly general practice and, and health practices after the latest sort of audits and activity that's been going on. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that as we employ more people, we actually have to pay more tax to do so. That's the thing I can't quite yeah. understand with it. And, um, you know, as I said, I, I know it's a challenge. So I think, um, you know, you know, being a hot topic, so we, we obviously understand it, it has been there, but obviously has not been applied to, you know, doctors uh, as subcontractors. And, and the key thing is now that the state revenue officers are taking a view that, it should apply, obviously, to those to those doctors' um, payments. And I suppose, once again, I'm, I'm really keen to understand what sort of implication does that? I mean, we know that, you know, as I said, various governments have, you know, said there's going to be amnesty. So South Australia, WA, there is no payroll tax. So 
aren't you lucky living over in the West? <laughs> um, but still, and, you know, Queensland's uh, at least now come up with some sort of formula. New South Wales, Victoria and, and Tasmania are yet to sort of announce anything other than they're looking to proceed with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just really conscious of, um, you know, what the implications are and whether that's to from a financial perspective, but then also the relationship with the doctors that would be subcontractors. So how they might be treated differently and how that might look just to give, you know, the owners, obviously the understanding of the implications of it. And then we can talk about how perhaps, you know, with the Queensland example around how they're looking to sort of try and make it easier for us, mm. but perhaps that, that first part first, if that's okay. Yeah. So I, I guess the best way to answer this is um, if we went back a few years ago, uh, many accountants and lawyers and practice owners would all be sort of um, in agreement that the generally held sort of consensus was that if a, a doctor was uh, paying a service fee to a practice, they were independent, they made their own decisions, they didn't work to a roster, you know, they um, they used the room and the services of the practice, that they were independent, they were running their own business uh, and they would fall outside of the payroll tax uh, scope. So that, that was pretty much the way everybody operated. And then, you know, a, a number of years ago, the... Um, the state revenue officers uh, started auditing practices and, you know, occasionally you would hear about an audit where, you know, the the payments, net payments to doctors were scooped in, but it was a little bit sort of rare and it was almost like whispers for a while that this was happening. Um, and, you know, there was all this messy other stuff that was happening too, like maybe that practice had a roster and those sorts of things that, that made it a bit grey. And then we had some cases come through. So we had the, you know, the optical superstore and then more recently the AAT with Thomas and Naz. And then we had the ruling. And so where we are now, I guess, is, is that the revenue officers, particularly if we use Queensland to sort of base this discussion on, because we've got a couple of, of clear rulings in Queensland, the revenue office position is that if you look like a GP practice, if you look like a health practice, then you are basically going to be dragged into the payroll tax net, regardless of some of those other things, you know, independence and that sort of thing. Basically, if, if you're providing services to the practice or look like you're providing services to the practice, that your doctors are going to be, those doctors are going to be brought in to the net. So whether that is right or wrong, you know, you'll talk to lawyers that will tell you blue in the face till they're blue in the face that there's no way that if we had a good test case that that could be correct and that that view is correct. But that's what we've got. Sort of that's the playing field at the moment. So I think, you know, that's what most practices and certainly most of my clients are using to navigate around this issue. I don't know if I answered your question, Paul. <laughs> no, I think, like I said, I, I, I think you know, the audience needs just to appreciate, firstly, is we're dealing with state governments. So we're not, this is not a federal thing. So it is different rules in different uh, cities. And ultimately, you know, there will be, call it a government that will take a lead, state government take the lead and probably get tested. And then we'll see it. As I said, it, it hasn't really actually been properly tested at a significant level, probably when one of the larger corporates probably gets involved and obviously has access to, you know, big wig lawyers that may maybe actually get to the point of, of, of resolving this. I mean, alternatively, you know, some of the solutions are political, of course, you know, I don't think any 
you know, anyone wants to see general practices go out of business or increase their costs and have to pass that on to patients that are already probably struggling with cost of living pressures. So there's still a little bit more to be played out in this space. But I think ultimately what we're saying is, as far as the state revenue officers are concerned, we do fall within the provisions of doctors being liable for payroll tax. And then the question then is, of course, how to manage it. So, you know, Queensland's come up with a suggestion. And I think what we're just trying to say, you know, is there anything practices can do at the moment? And maybe, you know, quickly with, with the states, because, you know, South Australia and, you know, Queensland have offered amnesties, because one of the other things the audience needs to understand is they technically can go back, my understanding is five years, and apply penalties, mm. which would be disastrous. Now, some states have offered an amnesty, so we won't go backwards, we'll only look forwards, which would be probably the kind thing to do uh, for all of us, and we would hope to see that the other states would follow suit. So I think as a practice owner or as a doctor, I mean, probably as a practice owner, is there anything that we can do at the moment to mitigate risk or implications around payroll tax if it's applied in the future? Yeah, so um, so you're right. So if you're in Queensland or South Australia, you'd be looking at amnesties. They have some strings attached to them, so it's best to talk to your accountant or your, your solicitor before you, you sign up for those because you do have to do some data disclosures to the revenue office. However, the majority of people I've been speaking to have been taking the amnesty for, as you mentioned, the historical protection. So, you know, you, you don't have that four-year historical audit period and a two-year, you know, into the future audit period. So amnesties, if you're in one of those states, that would be the first thing you'd be looking at. In New South Wales, there's sort of a 12-month pause while you get your house in order. Western Australia, as you said, are the lucky state, but some of the other states don't have those protections. So definitely now is the time to be doing something and not waiting, even though it is still a bit of a change in landscape. These things take a lot of time. So what we're doing with our clients is, first of all, I think it's important that practices look at their model, how they're operating and what their, quantify what their payroll tax liability risk is. Because if you're a small practice or if you have a lot of part-time doctors that are working in other practices, you might be under the threshold, you might be have some exemptions available to you. So payroll tax might not be a huge thing for you. But if you're multi-site or you're a large practice, then you definitely need to quantify that risk so you can put it into perspective of what changes you need to make. Then you'd be looking at your, your setup, your contracts or your operational matters. And then the big one post-Queensland's ruling on the 19th of September is looking at your flow of funds and how money flows either into your medical practice or directly to your doctors. Of course, in that ruling, Queensland confirmed that if patient fees go directly to the doctor, they don't bypass the practice and there's no sort of other third-party mechanism in there, that in most cases that those would be excluded from a payroll tax assessment. So that is the way that I think 99% of practices are now going is to make those changes and get that flow of funds direct to the doctor in conjunction with other things like the control things, operational issues, just so, you know, trying to separate and make sure that doctors do appear to be running their own business. So, and, and just to that, I mean, so the, just, just, I mean, once again, for practice owners, typically, you know, the flow of funds has been coming into the, the clinic's bank account as such, and then you do a disbursement on a fortnightly or whatever that basis may be. So can you just walk, walk us through that, you know, that Queensland 
well, once again, view on obviously how it's to be managed and how that actually would be applied because it's quite a fundamental shift, right? Because what we're talking about is the money's actually going to go to the doctors, then the practice is going to have to invoice the doctor and then get the money from them, which, you know, as I said, could be easy or hard depending on how organised the individual doctors might happen to be. But, yeah, is there, you know, once again, sort of any hints or tips or or how, you know, the practices perhaps you're talking to are actually doing that, particularly knowing that there's typically one credit card machine on the front desk and, you know, there's other sort of, I suppose, constraints in trying to manage, particularly if you're a large practice with lots of doctors. Yeah. So, look, there is some things that you can do. So, first of all, if you're thinking of implementing that process, it does take a few months to put in place because doctors typically have to get their own business bank accounts set up if they don't have a separate one that they're currently using. The at the point of sale, which you just mentioned, you would want to get your merchant facilities sorted out. So for many people, that's using something like Tyro that has a multi-merchant facility. So you only need one FPOS machine. You don't need 10 at the, at the counter. Yeah. You would need to get a bookkeeping system set up. So how are you actually going to track things? What if money goes into the wrong doctor's bank account? How are you going to track your work cover payments and those sorts of things? So there is some planning that definitely needs to go into that. In terms of the doctors, it's a change for them because suddenly instead of every two weeks, as you said, a lump sum coming in, they're going to get, you know, tens, hundreds of transactions each week with Medicare and, and private patient fees. And then the service fee has to be issued every fortnight and collected. And that's really crucial getting that right because that's your practice cash flow. So you need to be able to recover that. But there is some things that you can do in relation to automating that. So there's different tools available to automate that. You can set up direct debits. You can debit, take money from credit cards. So there's lots of sort of ways around automating the collection of the service fee. So that's not a big blocker. You just need to get some good advice and get that set up correctly. There is practices that have decided not not to do that, Paul, because the cost of actually implementing that change is they see that as greater than what they'd be paying in the payroll tax. And that's particularly um, important for, say, if you're regional Victoria, where the payroll tax is really low, the the rate, uh, or if you're only in a fairly small practice that is not grouped and not growing too much, then you might decide to just pay the payroll tax because it is a change to your systems yep. to have to, to do that. But look, the, the vast majority of practices are, are making that change. So yeah, it, it look, it is doable though. I know there's been a lot of talk about how scary it is and that. And yes, it is. it does take a shift and take extra reconciliation, but it is definitely being done by many practices. So realistically, you know, we need to get legal advice related to our agreements to make sure that they're obviously watertighter as best as we can make them. And then obviously a shift in, you know, how we account for things and as I said, setting up our tyros, et cetera, and having a structural system in place. I suppose the only concern would be, you know, obviously there are rejections. There's other things that obviously come along with the joys of running a practice. And then with the data, well, I suppose the financial information going to the doctors. Now, bear in mind, we've got the practice management software. We can see generally everything which is going on. And, you know, it would be, I suppose, interesting once again to try and build what is the ideal model that does comply. Now, bear in mind, New South Wales and Victoria haven't said this model works for us yet. So there's sort of still this, you know, issue in the background that the doctors would be liable for payroll tax. But just beyond that, is a doctor, let's say, for example, if they are deemed that, 
But there are other consequences we need to be mindful of, i.e. are they deemed as employees? Do we have to pay superannuation, you know, work cover, et cetera, under those provisions? Yeah, so no, not necessarily, because there is a different definition of an employee for payroll tax purposes than there is for the superannuation and income tax purposes. So just because you're scooped into the bucket for payroll tax does not mean that you'd be scooped in for super or PAYG withholding. However, that's why it's really important that the flow of funds is not the only fix. So you can't just do that and leave everything else because then potentially you do start having some of those other risks with, you know, super and income tax. So it's important to make sure that your contracts and your operational conduct don't suggest an employee relationship for for super or PAYG withholding. And one of the things that I really liked about the Queensland ruling was some schedules in the back of the actual ruling that, that talked about control and, you know, just provided examples and a bit of a checklist. So, you know, I'd be reading those through those if I was a practice owner or talking to your accountant about those, because they're the sorts of things that are going to get get people into trouble, those things like rosters and leave applications and different restraints and things. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, and just to, to close on this subject, I know we could talk about it for hours, um, is just, I suppose, a word of advice. I mean, you know, we own and operate 20 on practices, been doing this for 25 years. One thing I've always learned is an accountant's not an accountant and a lawyer's not a lawyer. In the sense that, as I'm sure we all know, the doctor's not a doctor. In the sense, just because they're qualified doesn't necessarily mean that they may be up to date or have the experience in a particular area. And I think the word of caution is here. If you get this wrong, the obviously the potential downside is quite enormous. I mean, this is not, you know, this is a very fundamental change as to the way that you're going to own and operate your business to, to try and manage this um, you know, as best you can so you, you don't get caught into it because, you know, most states it's 5% or somewhere around that. So you can imagine that off your top line revenue, the impact that's going to have to your business. Now, you might try and pass that on to the patients, um, but I suppose what I'm just conscious of if if you're dealing with an accountant that really is perhaps not up to the grade, might be good for just submitting stuff to the tax office for your, uh, you know, obviously uh, for, to pay, um, you know, your business tax and BAS and all the other fun stuff. But what I'm just conscious of is you probably do need to make sure that the advice that you're getting, you know, have they read the rulings? Do they really understand exactly what the application of this is? Because, you know, the fear is that, uh, you know, and it's, I know my experience in the past of, you know, getting, you know, the incorrect advice and then what that's actually cost us later when it gets tested. Because ultimately it's about when it gets tested, do you actually really find out whether it stands up either in court or obviously and uh, from a business workflow process? So, yeah, I just want to just make sure that unless you're confident that your legal and tax advice is really up to date, particularly in the medical space and what's going on, uh, my suggestion would be probably look for external advice in this particular related matter. You can still keep your accountant to do your, as I said, do your submissions to the ATO, uh, but this one you really don't want to get wrong because as I said it may get tested, get audited, and then you could be liable for penalties uh, on top of that. I don't think anyone wants to back pay payroll tax or penalties because it would be a, a very large hole in your bank account. Awesome. Kelly, any sort of final words of wisdom for the audience related to this? Um, no, I think my final word is just exactly what you said, Paul, in that, um, yeah. yeah, it really is a specialised area. And I've been through audits and investigations and and different things. And 
they're really stressful as well. So there's a financial impact, but there's they're very stressful for business owners. So um, do yourself a favor and yeah, get that advice. So you've got that peace of mind moving forward. Yeah. And I, and I think, unfortunately, depending on where you are, setting WA, this is an on topic, but uh, for the rest of you, you probably really need to take action now because, as I said, it, it really is a case that it, it will come to bear. And, you know, I said, the sooner that you're organised, um, the sooner, obviously, the impact is going to be minimised uh, with relation to it. So, look, Kelly, can I say thank you very much for your time today? I said it is a challenge for business owners out there, including us. We're trying to navigate it as well. And your insights were fabulous. And uh, I look forward to being able to pick this topic up and look at it from a different angle particularly as we get more information. I think that, as I said, we're still waiting on New South Wales and Victoria and Tasmania to put their hat in the ring as to exactly how they think they can manage through it. As I said, as much as New South Wales giving us a 12-month reprieve, it just means that that'll be, you know, that information will be coming soon. But mm. I really appreciate your time today, Kelly. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank everybody for listening and we'll look forward to catching up in a future podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpsert.com.